Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By. My name is Caitlin and this week I am joined by... Jake. Chris. And Ames. And this Sorry, week... I had a mouthful of water there. Do you want to redo that? No. of A Star to Steer Her By, Ooh. and today we're going to be discussing The Doomsday Machine and Cat's Paw. One of these was alright, one of these wasn't so great. I don't know which is which. Yeah, it's a little hard to tell. In The Doomsday Machine, the Enterprise encounters a ship that appears to be just nobody's on board except like one person, and it's just wrecked in the middle of nowhere. They beam aboard and they find Commodore Decker, who tells them the sad tale of how his crew was imperiled and he sent them onto uh, the third planet in the system. But there is no third planet. And why is there no third planet? Because a giant masturbatory tool in space blew it up after he transported his entire crew down. Kirk uh, and then the rest... And the rest um, take Decker um, onto the Enterprise, or, well, transport him to the Enterprise. For some reason, Kirk decides to stay on board the wrecked ship. I don't really know why. But while he's down there, Decker decides to take the Enterprise in a joyride to try to seek revenge on this giant stroker toy in space. And for some reason thinks that a ship that's about the tenth of the size of this Oh, giant yes. floating like a hundredth space hole starts shooting at it with no effect whatsoever awesome and then after uh, after being commanded to return control of the ship to Spock being summarily arrested Commodore Decker decides that he's going to steal a shuttlecraft and try to fly into the gaping love hole of this thing and blow it up on impact, he does not uh, actually succeed, but it gives Kirk a great idea to do the exact same thing with a bigger ship. Meanwhile, transporter issues abound. Kirk has only 30 seconds to impact with this, I don't have any more words for sex toy, so (laughs) glory hole, if you will. You actually... Flashlight, you haven't actually said flashlight oh, yet. Fuck, that's because it's copyrighted and I don't want to get sued. I've we said can it say it all we want. I don't want. think you get sued no, for it's saying no, no, a name. I, no, no, no. <laughs> flashlight, flashlight, flashlight. Sue us, you bastards. Could, you could get sued if anybody takes a photo of you by Ray-Ban. Because they'd be like, why do you have the Ray-Ban logo on your face? Well, you're talking about flashlights. So anyway, Kirk flies the, the what was it actually? Constellation. Constellation, thank you. The wrecked ship, the Constellation, into the giant space flashlight. But the transporter keeps malfunctioning. There's only 30 seconds to impact. Will our hero make it out alive? Yeah, fucking course he will. He's the star of the show. So thanks for that fake tension. Anyway, he makes it. The day is saved. The doomsday machine explodes. Decker's Yay! still dead. Yeah, well, who gives a fuck? Well, we've saved the Rigel system, at least. Yeah, thank mm. God. Those, well, those that's where the were really going to be are. fucked. Right? No, that's Ryza. That's... Fuck. Mm. There's probably space hookers on Rigel, too, though. Sure, but Ryza has more, clearly. Yeah. Guys, Tell us about Cat's Paw, Space Caitlin. sex workers, please. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Uh, in Cat's Paw, who the fuck really knows? Uh wow. Ah! Sulu, Scotty, and I don't know Jackson. Ma- Jackson, thank you. I was gonna say I almost said Montgomery. That's Scott's name. I don't know why. There's a, there's also a, a Montgomery red shirt guy. Oh, see, okay, maybe that's why. They beam down to some planet. They haven't checked in at the appointed time, 
and there's no sign of them uh, on the planet. So what do we do? We'll send more guys. Perfect. So Kirk and Spock and Bones decide to go down to this planet. There's uh, Jackson. Oh, no, but first, oh, my God. Jackson is teleported back to the ship and transported, I should say. And then collapses like a fucking cardboard cutout, apparently dead and apparently not an actual human. I don't know, but he was really Jackson, apparently. But, like, seriously, how did the actor do that? I think, I mean, kudos to that stunt performance. Yeah, he was a stunt guy. He was one of the stunt guys. It looked like he cracked his head, too. Yeah, it looked like he just let himself fall. Like, because when they turned him over before they switched to the close-up shot, like, it looked like he had, like, a line of blood on his forehead. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the guy's actually dead. <laughs> Jesus. Can you imagine dying for this episode? Oh. There are some episodes worth dying for. Maybe. This ain't it. So anyway, uh, after after Jackson appears and dies on the ship, they decide to go down and check things out. Uh, they encounter uh, the three witches of from Macbeth, maybe? Uh, really strong winds, and then a castle where a black cat leads them on a merry chase down weird winding stone corridors until they fall through a hole in the ceiling and are chained up in a dungeon, which gives us the fucking best pun the show has yet given, the show has yet given us. They're all um, chained up by their wrists. It's Kirk, then Spock. Then uh, McCoy, and next to him is a skeleton. And I turned to Chris and said, oh, it's Bones and Bones. And then a half a second later, Kirk goes, Bones, Doc. (laughs) 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 I've never been so happy in my life. So this episode has that going for it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, the basic plot is that some... Uh, Henson's workshop rejects from who knows the fuck where have come to this planet to steal dreams because they don't know about sensation and imagination, maybe? And Kirk gets some very important uh, information out of, uh, well, obviously the, the woman member. From her mouth. From her mouth, yeah, <laughs> using using the legendary James Bond seduction techniques uh, that I'm sure he read about as a lad, which was like the most unsexy seduction stealing information scene I've ever seen. He just keeps like mowing on her face like, but tell me more about the transmuter. And she's just like, oh, it's not important now, darling. <laughs> Later. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't really know what else happens. What's the guy's name? Korob. Korob gets crushed by a door. <laughs> Very heavy door. A gigantic yeah. cat. A gigantic imaginary door. Yeah. <laughs> and like he couldn't just have yeah. used the transmuter to make the door vanish or yeah, something. That's a good point. What a fucking idiot. Let's finish the <laughs> synopsis. We're almost there, guys. Anyway, he dies. The, the the woman dies. The woman who was initially a cat. Dies. Ah, uh, something, something. Getting pussy. Uh, I don't know. Um, I really have no idea what this episode is about, except for being confusing. And apparently, the images were con- conjured from the uh, collective oh, unconscious. The collective unconscious using telekinesis. <laughs> Thank you, Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> and um, everybody goes home except for Jackson, who's really dead. I mean, they probably sent his corpse home. There yeah. you go. That's all. I, I have no idea what well, happened. We should give. Space. We should give. Shatner a pass on telekinesis because there really wasn't any consensus on how things were pronounced back then. <laughs> consensus? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fun week this week. Oh, Let's boy. talk Doomsday Machine, which oh. was actually nominated for a Hugo Award in 68. A Hebrew Award? A Hugo. <laughs> oh, a Hugo Award. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. Well, things have taken a turn. I, mean, oh, I know. I know Kirk. And, I know Shatner and Nimoy are Jewish, so yeah. maybe there was like some, I don't know, Jewish performers award. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what they call it, but I wouldn't be surprised if one time there may have been, especially because early award shows probably did do their best to overlook Jewish actors. Certainly. Uh, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, the Doomsday Machine. So I don't know. I like this one myself. Did you? I thought, yeah, I don't know, because I thought that it showed us probably the most detailed and realistic depiction of sort of PTSD well PTSD and then also sort of military order how Mm. Decker you know seizes command and Spock despite obvious objections lets him because that's how things are done I Um, loved I loved the scene where where Decker seizes control He's just being a total douchebag about the whole fucking thing and just whiny as sin. Spock is like, yeah, those are the rules. I have to I have to let you have control. And McCoy will have fucking none of it. And he's so, so fucking sassy Spock, about it. do something! What are you doing? See, the one thing that kind of annoyed me, because that is a good scene, but one thing annoyed me is like, well, you know I haven't had time to a proper examination. It's like, no... But you're telling me when you found him on the constellation, like, unable to speak, that doesn't count for something? Something? The man's clearly unbalanced. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like I am surprised the Enterprise bridge crew didn't just mutiny right then and there. Yeah, Sulu, you could tell, really wanted to. I was waiting. He followed orders like a fucking champ, but through fucking gritted teeth. Yeah, like, and it was a particularly busy bridge this episode. I noticed they had mm. more extras than usual chilling out there. Yeah. Well, they, everything it was broken. There was a lot of ship that got broken. Oh no! Even before, thing. even before uh, the battle, though, like in the very opening scene, it was. I remember thinking it's kind of crowded today. Mm. It's not just that though. Uhura and Chekhov were like. Well, Uhura wasn't in this episode. That's what I'm saying. They weren't yeah, there. They were AWOL. Yeah. That's what I was just gonna say. That uh, they weren't Uhura's, there. Uhura's, I conspicuously guess. missing. Chekhov and Uhura ran away together for a romantic weekend. <laughs> mm. Uhura's lunch break cover, or whoever that was, was was a bit over enunciating. I noticed. Yeah, those are big chants. But yeah, I was she was a principal extra in that episode. True. It was her big shot. You were talking about uh, Sulu through gritted teeth. I remember thinking because you were just always called Sulu Helmsman. I was waiting for Sulu to go. I have a name, fuckwit. You could ask. Aww. Because he was always just helmsman and Sublois. Fuck you. Well, he's new. He doesn't know anybody yet. No, it's, he, it's his first day on he, the Enterprise. He took the time to learn Spock's name. That's because I think Spock introduced himself 55 times. I mean, probably, but still. Call me Captain Spock. He wanted it so much. Uh, yeah. That was one thing, though. Like, it, it says seemed like the only reason he was a Commodore was so that he'd have extra levels of clout. Because I think, I meant to look this up and completely forgot, but I think in actual navies, Commodores tend to command, like, groups of ships, yeah, not individual I think, ones. I think a Commodore is sort of like the lowest tier admiral. Basically. Like a, basically like a rear admiral, but just another name for it. Well, I think, <laughs> I, did, I did look it up <laughs> years ago for a different reason, but I do think modern navies, or at least the modern U.S. Navy, doesn't even have the rank Commodore anymore because they replaced it with Rear Admiral. Right. But yeah, it does seem, does seem weird that you've got this high, very high-ranking guy running a ship. Mm. Like, in reality, he should be either running a group or he should have a desk job, honestly. Yeah, well, clearly he's not fit to command a starship um, because he got one crew killed and was fully ready to get a second crew killed, like, a day later. Yep. Uh, well... Now, the thing is, the first crew, 
That was an honest mistake. I'm yeah, he didn't know that the, the thing was going to destroy the planet. Well, he knew that the thing destroyed planets. Good point. Like, he saw it destroying other planets. That's hmm. a good point. And then he's like, all right, guys, well, our ship's fucked, so I'm going to beam you all down to that planet. See ya. Yeah. Although, apparently, now that he would have known this, it doesn't always finish the job. Yeah. Because it started to fuck off to the, the Rigel system with two planets left. I'm very slapdash, Mr. Maybe, maybe those planets just weren't energy rich enough. Because the whole. So maybe. the reason it eats planets is because it mines them for energy. Energy. Yeah. So if maybe those planets were inert rock, like maybe it needs to eat planets that have certain minerals or something. They should have. Lots of high in fiber. High, high fiber. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe like maybe like helium three. See what they like should have done was try to push the fleshlight towards the planet of the feeders of Val. Because mm. then that would be too much energy, mm-hmm. and it would overload its systems, and we'd be rid of those fucking Val people. Mm. I also liked how Kirk, within a minute of having been having the. Do, the, the, the machine described to him is like, ah, well that sounds like a doomsday machine from an ancient war, like the H-bombs of old. And like he's like knows immediately exactly why this thing was created, its purpose, and the fact that it's very old and is... Uh, and probably wiped out its, its original systems when, it, when, yeah. we, when deployed, because that's what's going to happen on Earth one of these days if we keep up this Cold War nonsense. Well, that, and that's like in my notes at that point, this is in all caps, oh, it's a Cold War allegory. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. The fact that that Spock even figured out every single detail about the planet-eating machine by just scanning it or whatever they did or reading the, the scans from, from the constellation. It was like, Spock, how the fuck do you figure this out in 20 seconds? Well, I mean, there were some things that he didn't know. Like, he didn't know if the constellation exploding was going to be enough to to destroy the thing. So it was sort of like, oh, best guess, yeah. Give, give it a can't hurt, you know. Can't hurt unless you're you're still in that yeah. ship. Maybe we should check the transporter, make I sure mean, everything's working. I feel like an explosion of that magnitude, he'd be vaporized before he could feel anything. Yeah. So it wouldn't have hurt regardless. Mm. True, but then we'd lose Captain Kirk. We like Captain Kirk. And he was in his fat shirt that day. Mm. Looked good in that shirt. Good shirt. Maybe that's why he felt so lackluster because he was just being pulled tightly in by his shirtle. Because I felt like every line he delivered, not like every line, but a lot of his lines felt a little flat. Like when he fart started, farted when he started. <laughs> <laughs> That was really awkward. Yeah, that was a B, that was a B flat. Yeah, Scott, uh, Scotty pretended for... not to notice. Uh, oh, when man. um when he's starting to like lose contact with the ship, and he's just like Spock. Come in, Spock. Spock. No, that's, like, what that's, is happening? That's more emotion than he gave. Yeah, you're right. See, here, Sorry. Here's the thing about this episode that I noticed is that 90% of it is guys alone in rooms talking into their comms. They're mm. not, they don't have a scene partner most of the time. No, normally it's Kirk is alone on a ship. Scotty's alone in engineering somewhere. Yeah. Spock is alone <laughs> on the bridge of, of the Enterprise. And they're all just talking to each other on their comms. Decker's alone in the shuttlecraft. Mm. I'm, I keep hitting the table. So, Ames is alone at the table. Mmm, table. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's it's a lot of just watching guys alone yelling about stuff. Yeah, it kind of in that way it reminded me a little bit of uh, the the most recent season of Arrested Development, where obviously the actors could not be scheduled at the same time. <laughs> so, like, you have all these episodes which are like half the cast doesn't show up and. Pretty much everybody else just shows up alone in a scene. 
I don't know. I wonder if there was like the fact that there was no Uhura or Chekhov, and the fact that you know most of the episode, like you say, had actors pretty much acting either alone or with on you know guest guest actors with, with that one guy who they brought onto the constellation to help Scotty fix something. Yeah, right. It's like I wonder if maybe there was some weird scheduling thing with how this episode was shot. Like maybe it was had to be know. shot. Maybe they could only get Decker. Because I did like the actor that played Decker. I thought yeah. he, he did a nice job with, with that crazy, crazy character. Um, oh my god, and some of the faces he was making as he was like flying the shuttlecraft into the... Uh, yeah. The stro- into the, into, into the, the stroker toy. Mm. <laughs> it was uh, actually a, a, a wind sock. A really? wind sock dipped in... Oh Christ, what did I write? Cement. That windsock is broken forever. (laughs) Yes, yes it is. Hmm, I have this windsock. How do I make this windsock never work again? (laughs) Well, I actually watched it because you guys watch it on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. we got the remaster. I watched the remaster as well, and I was just like, what the fuck? You guys couldn't have fixed this thing? What is wrong with this? The CG is just so bad. Like, some, I, yeah. The, the shuttle scary. leaving the shuttle bay was so oh. shitty. See, so I watched the original. Mm. And uh, I will say the, the Fleshlight Doomsday Machine. You know, it looked it looked fine. It looked, you know, like any sort of original Star Trek unaltered effect. You could occasionally see stars through it. You could occasionally see the, like, mat around it. But it looked pretty... It actually what was weird. There were two ones where it turned. It had this really great sparkly effect. And it looked really solid and really good. And I was like, huh, that's weird. So yeah, the original actually really, it looked pretty decent. And the shuttle was just the same sort of right. stock footage of a shuttle leaving the shuttle bay they Model on the always use in the original series. So that looked fine as well. Mm. These uh, look like little weird space bobsleds. I don't know about it. The shuttles? Yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. Little so roller skates. I feel the great unsung hero of this episode is the security man. That Decker... Oh, it gets shit beat. That was a really long fight scene for two characters that we don't really know. Yeah, so I think the best... Well, there are two best parts. One, I don't think the fake sneeze was necessary. I think he could have just cold-cocked the guy, but whatever. And two... So, okay, listeners, if, if you don't normally watch the episode, just listen to us ramble, check out this fight scene. Because every time they cut to the security guy, like when they're not actually fighting, they're cutting for like a reaction shot... He's got his hands weirdly drooped in front of him and wiggling. He, he's like, he's like catting. He's being, he's like ready to pounce. Yeah. yeah. It's like someone said, you know, try to do, look like you're doing real karate. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. So <laughs> you know, they kind of hold their hands out in front and stuff. Huh. And no one told him to keep the hands straight. So he was just like, like you said, like weird old cat paw dance. Strangely, Sulu got the same uh, instruction in the next episode. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll um, get to that. Man, I loved the fucking weird little cat paw moves the security dude was doing. Yeah, was great. Yeah, well, I mean, it's probably some Klingon martial art or something. Or I'm sure it was retconned to be that in a novel. It's Venusian Aikido. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So you know, at the end of the episode, they're all like, "Well, we're gonna record that that Decker died in the line of duty as a hero, right?" And all I can imagine is that poor security guard's like. Really? Oh, really? He's like in traction. <laughs> I think he, I think he teabagged me when he dragged me into that oh. room. <laughs> I had this hair in my teeth for weeks. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
here's, here's the other, the other beautiful thing. You know how we're, we're always talking about how the transporter rooms don't have security whenever someone's just running amok on the ship? Yeah. Neither does the shuttle bay. Yeah, I was thinking... Which like, should also be important. It's way too easy to steal a shuttle. They don't yeah. even remember they have the shuttle bay half the time. Yeah. Like, of course well, they don't yeah. have any that's men so, down there. Like, I love that, you know, you get the someone stealing a shuttle alert when it's too late to do anything about it. Well, a bunch of people died on decks three and five or something. They were major... You know, massive casualties reporting on decks. So maybe the people who were supposed to be on shuttle bay duty yeah. all tragically died. Mm. Or were helping out in those other sections. Well, the other thing, too, is you got to figure that Decker, being a Commodore, probably might have some... Override code? Yeah, yeah. like he, like maybe normally the, normally the door doesn't open without special access, but he would have that access. Yeah, maybe. So benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's fair. I also you would think they would have shut that down once he was, like, arrested, though. Like, you would think... Well, again, you think they'd turn off the transporters and all sorts of other security precautions. Also, maybe they just never thought he'd try to steal a shuttlecraft, because... Yeah, I mean, he seems... He seemed like he'd sort of mostly recovered. Yeah. Like, he was definitely going a bit Captain Ahab, but... Yeah, oh, but... my, the, the funny thing about the... Because this is, this is purportedly a Moby Dick uh, script. And William Winden, which is the guy playing Decker, he didn't even make the connection until years later when he was like, wow, this was a fucking weird character. What the fuck was wrong with that guy? Years later, they're like, oh, he was Captain Ahab in space. Mm. I get it now. The first of... in space. The first of several Star Trek Captain Ahabs. Oh, fine. Mm-hmm. They love returning to that and Shakespeare. Well, even, even Kirk has a little Captain Ahab moment at some point, right? What's that one called? Obsession. Is yeah. Called obsession. With a gas cloud. Mm-hmm. Melvar. Yeah. Well. So same with um, the guy that killed that uh, that Kirk supposedly killed in the the, the pod there. Uh, oh, Finny. 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 Good old Finny. He Good was he was Finny. ahabbing about. Is he on your poster? Uh, I don't know. He I is. Don't... He's just lurking somewhere where yeah. you can't see him. He's actually in a pod, watch. getting de- ejected into. Uh... To, nice. to explain to the listeners, Jake Jake got this great poster for Christmas from from Ames, which is a drawing of the original series. It seems to have at least one character or key item or something from like every episode of the original series. I will try to remember to take a picture and put it on the Facebook group at some point. Um... Also, share the the actual website of the poster. Yeah, buy the poster. Better. You know, another thing I kind of liked about this episode is when they finally got the communications back, like, because Kirk had been watching the Enterprise yeah. fight Flail, <laughs> yeah. trying to fight the Doomsday Machine, oh, and he's and like, had... what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and, that was great. The You're the lunatic that's been, yeah, whatever. Yeah, when, the... when he finally got through, he's just like, let me talk to Spock. I gotta talk to Spock. And it's like Decker's like, I'm in command. And Kirk's like... Let me talk to Spock! Put Daddy on the phone, <laughs> goddammit! <laughs> How did the Constellation have the best view of the Enterprise getting getting offed by the by the Doomsday Machine, wherever it was? Oh, they got cameras all over the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cameras everywhere. Yeah. Sensors. All right, all right. I've always, I've always felt that, you know, in terms of how the view screen on on a starship works is less like a camera and more like it compiles various data from sensors. What's the most important thing to be looking at right now? Right, and then creates an image from that. That would actually make a lot of sense. Especially in 3D space, because I feel like, and I see this in, I've I've probably even mentioned this before, I've I've seen this in like so many space sci-fi shows and such. Everything always is flying in the same plane with each other. 
Yeah. No matter like what they're doing. I, I, we've been watching a lot of um, Battlestar Galactica, and they're always flying like side by side. And when one guy's upside down, you're like, oh my god, that guy's upside down. It's fucking space. There's no right side up, guys. <laughs> See, but that's like, I think, I you're going to get I very get... annoyed at the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, well, uh. well, in the Wrath of Khan, at least they acknowledge it. Well, right, but they're, they're like, ah, oh, he has very two-dimensional thinking. It's like, so have all of you until this very moment. And even then, they when they sneak when it sneaks up on the Reliant, it's still at the same. Yeah, it's still uh. facing the same direction. But you know, th- you know, the reason for that is because that whole nebulous scene in Wrath was like a submarine movie. In yeah, space. yeah, exactly. We've had a lot of those. A lot yeah. of submarine, a lot of naval uh, But yes, now, Star Trek and a lot of other, like, just once I want to see two starships kind of come up on each other and have to adjust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just well, I like, just I just watched the the movie for Ender's Game, mm-hmm. which is supposed to, like, the book, which is a very good book. The book talks about how in 3D space you have to, like, reorient yourself for not thinking of, you know, up is up and down is down. You kind of, like warp your perception of a room Mm. and the movie doesn't really do it because whenever they enter the zero gravity 3d room they all still face the same fucking direction Mm. yeah that's sort of like i I could never figure out exactly how the turrets on the millennium falcon they make no sense because they go up a ladder but then they're sitting like yeah no like I've thought of that before. Like, I'm a, like, I think that there's... I think that... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, the turrets on the Millennium Falcon are a little weird. Very. Uh, but that, I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that, especially with sort of television and films, they're just like, let's make this as straightforward as possible. I also mm-hmm. imagine it could be easier for navigation in space if you... Even though you do have this three-dimensional, you can go any way you want, it's probably easier to think of things on a plane yeah mm. and navigate that way uh if you can yeah and I mean, i'm sure you know they were that you know they're just sort of treating flying through space kind of like flying, flying an airplane like yeah you do have all these directions but you're gonna stick to yeah yeah because because the ground is under you so you know kind of have a direction you have you have your bearing of where and you're i suppose going. with a ship that has artificial gravity you're inevitably going to fall into thinking of up and, and down, down yeah. because you do have a, a personal up and down. And also, objects in space, like star systems, like planetary planetary systems, are disc shaped. Like they're mm. not yeah. like scattered. Yes, yeah, true. Like, planets yeah. are and always even form even a the, plane. even the Milky Way is mostly a yeah. plane. It's I mean it's still got got width to it. Yeah, yeah. But especially our end of it is is quite flat. Yeah. So hmm. it's relatively speaking. So it's not entirely unrealistic that they would adopt. A two-dimensional thinking, but no. you, you'd think though that at least when when they can take advantage of it, they would do it slightly more. Sure, and also especially in the '60s, what with filming models to do spaceship shots, mm-hmm. like it's probably more more complex to do. You know, two ships meeting bottom to front yeah. or something. Yeah, like nowadays, uh, you know, it's a little easier. <laughs> Although I will say, having said all this, they did have the Enterprise slightly above. The Doomsday Machine. Oh, when it was when it was in its uh, tractor beam. Yeah, Yeah. and actually, when they shot it from above, again, I'm sure in the remastered version, it looked very different. In 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 mine, it was plainly cartoon phasers. Oh no! Like they had been drawn on later, and they even had like little splash effects. And it was like those were still present in the remaster. Were they? They didn't splashes. Yeah, but they didn't bother making it CG. They like. I mean, it was CG, but it looked cartoony. Like they were. They were clearly. At least it seems like they were trying to recreate that effect. I remember looking at it, being like, "Man, that looks really lame, even for this." 
Yeah, no, it looked like a cartoon. It was really weird. Yeah, I do know that the constellation, because you know, the constellation has been wrecked a bit by by Galaxy Eater here, and it looked pretty good in the remaster, actually, the the destructed parts. But I know in the in the original, they just used a model of the Enterprise, wrecked it up a little and burned it or what have you, and then they just changed the code. To using, 1017. Yeah, so they just used the same numbers, they just moved a number over. Which well, means there were almost 700 starships between the Constellation and the Enterprise. Except Kirk says that there's only 12 like it in the fleet. Exactly. So, mm. they, I, they I built... don't know if this is true, but I know that at least for some of the starships, the other ships... That you see late, that we'll see later. I think this is the first Constitution class we actually see. But it is that um, they actually bought off-the-shelf Enterprise model kits. Hmm. That like the production actually bought, like went to a hobby shop, bought a model kit, built it because they were cheap. Yeah, and then you know change, and then you know because obviously the decals that come with the model yeah. are NCC one seven zero one. So they go, oh, okay, well, we'll change this one. So I, w- I wonder if that, like, I wonder if they actually just went to the shop and bought a toy model of I, the Enterprise, and that's how they got the constellation. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and of course, this is also before it was established that they were actually just going in order with those numbers. You know, yeah. for all we knew at this point, it was some kind of... It meant something completely different, and there was a reason that maybe the same class would share similar numbers and stuff. See, but... I, that's the other thing, though. I don't know... They could not possibly be going in sequential order, because then how do you get... Ships that have five-digit registry numbers, like yeah. the Voyager. Doesn't the Voyager have a five-digit? It has some absurd. I can never remember its registry number because it's too like, damn. Long. There's been thirty thousand ships since you know the last one. Yeah, no, it doesn't quite make. I think the Defiant sense. has. Well, the Defiant's an NX ship, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, let's get back on track. Talk some more Doomsday Machine. Let's talk about Scotty. Scotty does so much in this episode. Mm, he's got a cool toy. He fixes toy. every single thing on both ships. Yeah, That's what was true. that thing? He has to fist the wall. He and did. Then yeah, he did <laughs> the wall. He opens up a cabinet where he gets his big fungunulator. <laughs> well, I assume that's what he was using to uh, rewrote circuit panels because that was right after he said he could. Um, Make it so that the warp controls yeah. could control the impulse engine. Someone made something. him a cool prop. Yep. They had to use it as something. Yeah, yep. no, it was cool. It's a good prop. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. this is supposed to be a Dewan's favorite episode. Hmm. He had a lot to do. He so. had a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. I don't know if he had like it wasn't a terribly interesting character arc for him. He just did a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he did stuff. He, he, got, he got, to, got to fix the the transporter at the very last minute. Yep, yeah, he got to, he got Save to the day. engineer the fuck out of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah he fixed everything and the coffee machine. Um, I did love there was a little detail when they get onto the the constellation and it, everybody's gone and Kirk notices Kirk goes full full detective mode hmm no coffee in the yeah. break room they obviously didn't leave in a hurry <laughs> good job detective Kirk <laughs> um, Kirk is actually Batman <laughs> yeah Shatman uh, <laughs> I like how when, when Scotty was fixing the transporter it's obviously still on fire <laughs> like it's like, like you could see there's like sparks flying he's like oh oh yeah swapping on this thing no this yeah, is gonna Scott, be fine Scott, this is gonna be fine put out the fire first <laughs> no, that's that's what kyle and the other fella are for mm. but even in like the jeffrey's tube where he oh, was yeah. swapping <laughs> shit out there was a fire <laughs> like everything is on fire and he's like it's not working <laughs> I, 
<laughs> you gotta feel for the people that had to do the first refit on the Enterprise between like the original series and the first movie. Because they must have just opened panels and seen so many violations of safety code. <laughs> they must have got, went through so much paint on the Enterprise, <laughs> painting over all the scorch marks on every wall. I suspect everything actually was still on fire when they started the refit. Yes. Like, oh, fuck. They actually just been literally... burning for 30 years. Yeah, there's just a whole whole deck. They just door open to flames. Whoa! What is that? We oh, don't yes. go there Scotty anymore. is still in there tinkering away. No, it's going to be fine. I just need to finish these quite minor adjustments. <laughs> He's on fire. Like... <laughs> The other thing you know, I kind of lament about the episode is that we didn't actually see the Constellation's bridge. I thought, it was supposed to be uninhabitable. Yeah, but I just wish they had... It was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they built a new set for like the control room that they were in when they could have just dirtied up the bridge of the Enterprise... And maybe repainted the banister blue or something. Mm. It's a and lot of paint. Well, paint. I, don't think, I don't think that was a new set, though. That was... Um, That's true. That was... It was a re... Yeah, like, I think that was actually the room, for example, most recently that uh, Lieutenant Singh was in with Nomad. Yes. Uh, yes. Judging by the design of the view screen, it was probably the room they had the court martial in. I think they probably just had a bunch of little walls that and they, shit yeah, that they could... Walls and tables together. that they can make into different rooms. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think it would have been cool to see the bridge. Yeah. Oh, like, like oh, I said, though, we, fucked up. it would look pretty much the same. Unfortunately. Yeah, but they could have burned some shit. You know, I, like, I always like that in... Slightly different chair. In TNG episodes, like when um, like the Enterprise-C bridge mm. was all screwy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, here's the thing. Decker, his bridge would have had the high back captain's chair. I was chair, just thinking mm-hmm. that. Like the alternate universe. Yeah. Because, you know. He's a big man. He's, He's very important. He'd have like lions on either side of him. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Concubine. The only, the only last thing I had was a comment Jake made while we were watching it, saying, "Oh, finally, uh, a machine that Kirk can't talk to death." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that would have been good. Well, it's funny when, because like Spock, as you observed, figured out instantly that it was a robot. Then Kirk. No, said, there was a, originally like, is it, is it? An animal? Is it a machine? Is it what mineral? Is it? Vegetable? When Spock, when Spock figured out there was a robot, and he calls Kirk, and Kirk's like, "Well, I wonder if." And I'm like, <laughs> the next thing he's going to say is, "I wonder if I can talk it into killing itself." <laughs> it works so well. I also, I like, I forgot during that scene where he's like, uh, "Mr. Spock, am I correct in assuming that the destruction of an impulse energy with uh, 97 kilotons?" And Spock is like, "No, sir, 97 point." Thank you, Spock. And oh. Kirk even makes a little face. Like, fuck, not right now, Spock. 97.835. Oh. Look at that. You were Oh, wrong. God. And also, uh, at the very end, when they're, you know, when when Sulu is, is rattling off Kirk's timer for him, all I could think of was the guy from the Baylock episode. Oh, he's doing a countdown! Like, I wanted him to just pop, pop up from, like, a panel in the ship and yell that and vanish again. Him in, like, Baylock's puppet. Oh. <laughs> I do miss Baylock's puppet. Yeah, no, puppet. I don't. Should we move on to... Uh, to Kitty uh, Cats? Do we have to? So, I don't know. This is like the prime example of an episode where it's like, okay, we have two senior staff on the planet that we can't get in touch with. Let's send the rest, the, the of, the rest of the senior staff and leave, down to the planet and, and leave the ship in the hands of... Lieutenant LaSalle. Yeah. A red shirt. Ooh. He was the the chief engineer, apparently. He was the... Uh, he, was, he was like... What they, no, they actually said his title and it was... Stupid too. It was like, it was like 
second assistant chief engineer uh. LaSalle. It was like some of us assistant to the general uh, assistant manager of... I mean, I feel like the name has come up before, so I mean, they've at least pre-established Yeah, the he guy, has been on the show, but I think yeah. this is the last appearance we see of DeSalle. In, in reality, they would probably have just been like, alright, maybe someone... Is, Spock, you stay here, watch the show. Exactly, yeah. Spock, why, why... Like, we just saw on Doomsday Machine, he left Spock in charge. Yeah. Because that's the logical thing to do. Right. Well, you know what? Send other fucks down to the planet to go look for Sulu. Send wave no, see, after wave of red shirts. They was gonna say, they needed <laughs> useful people. People. The, the red shirts would die them. too quickly, that's why. Well, you know, it just, it, you know, not to again bring this back to TNG, but it, it makes me respect Picard so much more that he almost never goes on the away mission. Mm. At least not the first wave. Yeah. Unless it's like a diplomatic thing. Like, if, if there's like, oh, the planet looks dangerous, he'd be like, okay, Riker, Riker, take a team. I'll, I'll wait here, let me know how it goes. <laughs> like, the yeah. captain should, you know... But this was this was the sixties. That's true. There were certain expectations of your heroes. Yeah, men men. he is the captain of the ship. Yep. Yeah, he has and to he prove abandons it. his ship all the time. <laughs> like, how many times is his ship put in deep peril? Yeah. Yeah. because he's left to go <laughs> kiss women. Oh. <laughs> I just watched uh, like DeSalle's face so many times during this episode, being like, "Oh, they're all they're all missing down there." Am I now captain of the ship? Yeah. <laughs> Is this now and mine? And why wasn't Uhura made? Because she was probably the senior officer at that point once everybody else had left. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, at least she's a bridge officer. Yeah, no, that's I true. Know. I mean, friggin' lanky guy at the helm or navigation would have made more sense than LaSalle. Yeah. Just so random. Yeah, I mean, and also on this episode... Chekhov's wig oh, was his so rare bad. form. So rare he, form. This is Here's the really thing. early filmed one. I was just going to say, you can tell, because there's still a lot of like establishing. There's that one point where he's like, no, Captain, I am not that green. I can do it. And so it's like, he's obviously, they were still trying to establish him as like, I'm part of the team. Don't count me out, Chief. Mm. You know? So, but, and also, fuck, it was so bad. <laughs> hey, hey, we're cold. the monkeys. The only monkey around. We're too busy singing to put anybody down. Yeah, well, I'm not too busy. Walter Koenig, clean up your fucking shit. That was horrible. <laughs> horrible. And also, I felt like he was acting so hard. Like, again, it's just, it's like the scenes where, what the fuck was her name? Sylvia? Sylvia. Sylvia's like dangling the Enterprise over the oh. frame. I do want that pendant. That it was is a fucking the, sweet pendant. It is up 60 degrees. In the last 30 seconds. I'm just like, don't hurt yourself, Walter. (laughs) Just take it easy. Uh, So I'm going to point out, speaking of Sylvia, that in this episode we have a cat that turns into a lady. Meow. And we will have the same happen in the season finale. I'm okay with Operation Earth or whatever. I'm okay with this because I like cats. But I'm just saying, I'm feeling like maybe someone in the writer's room had a very specific fetish. I think they're two, they're, well, they're two different writers, right? Oh, are they? Yeah, so this one, and this one's funny because I was looking this up. This one is written by, where's his fucking name? It's gone. Robert Block, who was a mentee of H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft. That is not a surprise. Uh, he also wrote What Are Little Girls Made Of, uh, which was also had a lot of Lovecraft-heavy symbolism yeah. and stuff. Yeah, Ruck was definitely some sort of elder god. Yeah. I, I still love Ruck. Oh, Ruck's great. Uh, no great. argument. Robert Block... Also, writer of the novel Psycho. Oh, upon, oh, which, like, the upon which the film was adapted. Huh, huh. Crazy. Um, but no, like he was crazy into this kind of like weird 
psychological shit and also horror and sci-fi well, and yeah, Lovecraft. This, this definitely felt in many ways like a Lovecraft light story. Because didn't they even yeah. refer to their bosses as like they old did. ones or they something? Did. And they were weird Because it was the same guy. Weird little squid mouths. At the end, uh, oh, that marionettes. was just a puppet thing. So, yeah, well, but they I did could, have they did have like Doctor Zoidberg mouths. I could not even tell which side was their mouth. So, <laughs> it was the yellow part. <laughs> they were kind of cute in a hideous yeah. way. I like how you could like they actually looked really good. Mm. I thought the little marionettes, but mm. you could see the strings so much. Even in the original version, Aww. they were very plain. That's a shame. But yeah, they were they were weirdly again in a, like a hideous way, weirdly cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The funny, the other funny thing about this episode. So it first aired October twenty seventh, nineteen sixty seven. So they specific. This is the only time they specifically did a Halloween themed episode, or or, or any holiday themed episode uh, around the holidays. Trick or treat, Captain. Uh, uh. You know everything else. You somehow know. You know about you know how all of these are like symbols that are part of this consciousness and you know all of the periods of time about earth but you don't know about halloween maybe halloween is just because you gotta figure halloween wasn't a thing until like the mid 20th century and then you can assume that halloween's gonna go away so it was probably just a blip yeah and the records may have been halloween will never go away but trick-or-treat might because no way because of then again though this this razor blades and apples and this is the man... That period's already passed. We've already lived through the razor true. blades and the apples. This no is one the man... gives apples anymore. That's true. That's they're right. shitty, shitty hell. Well, no, more likely because they know they'll just And you know, like, razor blades are, like, $30 a pack, so... Yeah, no, they're no not one, No one's, uh... No, they're gonna try to, like, shove a bick in there, and it's not gonna work. Well, yeah. why do that when bullets are so cheap? Yeah, just... Put a bullet in the apple. But then again, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say though, Spock. Like this is the guy that knew a very specific kind of arrowhead at one point. Yes. Mm. It is weird. Yeah, he's never heard of trick or treat. I think I'm gonna go with the whole like it's just illogical thing. So he didn't bother. Um, but yeah, no, very strange. So again, first, this the, I knew we were off to a good start when what's his face beams back up. Jackson. Jackson. Jackson beams back up, does stiff as a board, but not light as a feather. <laughs> smashes his face on the ground. That was, that was a great fall. And then when they flip him over, he's like completely dead, but then he starts talking with the booming microphone voice. Yeah. I loved the, the, the detail of his, his mouth, mouth just moving just... Yeah. Slightly, I was oh, I like, didn't even "That's good." That. Oh, it's very. I thought he was just being an intercom, and it was very awkward. Oh, it's for me. very so... slight. His mouth bobs just a little bit. Uh, this yeah. little bit. this made me think of something that is super tangentially related. One of, and I'm about to spoil. I, I brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. This film, Smoke and Aces, which how dare you? I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's one of Chris Pine's early, early roles, and he's one of the. Um, Something brother. Basically, the point of Smoke and Aces is a bunch of different killers are trying to kill the same guy. Mm. And is it like Sam Rockwell or someone? Like, no, it's Jeremy Piven. Oh, it's Jeremy. He Piven. looks like Sam Rockwell. A, a little, little bit because what they do is hair and his clothes. Um, but so, the, uh, Chris Pine is the youngest of these three, like very inbred Redneck brothers. brothers. I can't remember their last. The Something Brothers, and he plays Darwin. And uh, this is the spoiler: he kills the fuck out of Ben Affleck. Um, which is a bit of a surprise. You know, oh, Ben Affleck's in this movie. He's one of the assassins. He's going to be around. You know, he dies very quickly. And after he kills him, uh, Chris Pine kneels over him and starts 
just tugging on his chin to uh, make his mouth move like a puppet so that Ben Affleck forgives him oh. for killing him. <laughs> so for, uh, because this guy's ended up being sort of an intercom for the man that killed him and because it's Star Trek, I made that nice. that logical leap to a very bizarre early Chris Pine role. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, as, as soon though as we had that transporter room scene, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a very special episode. <laughs> yeah, it the was booming it was voice. Windy. Once the booming voice oh. happened, I'm like, yep. Yep. There's yeah. a curse strap on in. your shoes. Strap well, in and strap next, on. The next stupid thing we see are those witches. Oh, God, who, who are the incomprehensible witches. The Macbethian <laughs> witches. Except, except for the guy who was like, <laughs> he sounded like a fucking lead singer from an 80s hair metal band. You know, uh. <laughs> 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 like, like, oh, you But then there's this one guy who's like really going full rock and roll with it. And I was like, all right, all right, I like what you're doing. I'm I still on board now. I understand any of what they said. No. I got like two words. I got like no great. cursed. Go back. Go back. Go back. Yeah, I had and to Kirk. ask. Yeah, I had to ask Chris for the translation on go back because they both can go back. I was like, I have no idea what's being said right now. And then, of course, uh, right after that scene, Kirk faces his old enemy, a strong wind. (laughs) (laughs) Just like back in the Harry Mudd days. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh, those winds, yeah. Uh, Good winds. And then, uh, and then... Good use of fog machine this episode. I really like the fog. They They rented those fog machines. They were going to crank them to full blast. Yeah, yeah. We had the, uh, the mysterious castle... With a mm. kitty cat. With a kitty cat. Yeah. I did love every moment that we saw of that kitty cat. Yes. Yeah. Even when he was, cat, like, even was not was making giant. regular cat noises half the time. Was like, I'm a cat. Oh, that's funny. I, I actually, Go back. Here, here's a, a funny stat I found on the, on, the, on the cat noises. One of the cat's roars from, from the not cat noise that they made, they eventually used as the Bowser growl in Mario Party and other things. Huh. Really? Oh, shit. Cool. Huh. That's really cool. That is interesting. Wow. Star because Trek it is, is because it's so not like a freaking cat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's squeaking. No, it's gurgling. No, I don't know what it's doing now. I like so... love when the cat got big and then suddenly the got they like they like slowed it down, slowed it way down, and no, like changed they, the pitch. I was like, yeah, this is great. They just got a, a Siamese cat. They've got that meow. So I would have loved to have been the the props builder who had to build the small version the of the hallway <laughs> so that the cat could run through it. Chris, I, Chris go, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say something else. Oh, well, we were watching, Chris goes, not a model. And I said, no, Chris, the cat's real. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real cat. I'd like to think it took That's a like model cat. 40 or 50 takes to get the cat just walk straight down that little hallway. Mm. I don't know, the cat did follow, what was his fucking name again, Korob, out of a room once. Mm. It was pretty well trained for a cat. Maybe they had just smeared his cloak and tuna. This is this Ooh. is another episode where I feel like they cut a lot of corners with effects. Mm. When Sylvia in woman form did her changing appearance oh yeah they just trick. cut away they from cut her. away and then cut back like instead of like doing like a flash and like well or anything like that and they that. wouldn't even pay for some other extras because it was always just her in a different wig and shirt yeah it's like i can be any woman you want what? as long as it's this woman 
in different clothes. What was with the, the clown outfit? <laughs> 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 that was my favorite. Like, this it's like, it's like I'm going to be really sexy, and then or I could be this goofy clown. Yeah, then she started like moving weirdly as well, and I was like, "What is happening? This is you're horrible at seduction." I mean, I know you so, just got a physical form pretty recently, but oh, I mean, that, if they're basing if, she, if they're basing their their knowledge of what what human men want based on the imaginations of Sulu and Scotty. Oh, Whose weird. fantasy is the clown woman? Scotty. <laughs> also, the fact that like her her first lesson in seduction comes from Kirk like awkwardly squeezing her shoulder and then trying to eat her chin. Yeah, because then yeah. plowing his face into her face. <laughs> he just looks like he hurts when he kisses. It's never good. It, it's always just like as hard and as far in as he can, just push his face into your face. It's like, yep. dude, that's not. Have you ever, Kirk? Have you Shatner? Have you ever known the touch of a woman at this point? I mean, really? Maybe, maybe not. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Ouch. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, he does sometimes look like a 14-year-old. Yeah. Like, having his first kiss. This is how I think it's done. Uh! <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. her, poor, poor Kirk. Poor, poor Sylvia. Poor Sylvia. You used me! <laughs> that was kind of sad. Was it obvious? Yes. What, but I, it, was not, it was not sad. She. The original <laughs> title for this episode was The Cat or Who is Sylvia? <laughs> <laughs> that's an Edward Albee joke everyone nice that was good that was nice I like that I I feel I mean I don't know if this ever comes up again in Star Trek but I do feel like you know this is an early example of that trope of like an alien who isn't normally human becomes human and can't deal with it. in fact Star Trek definitely does that at least once more mm. than I can think of in the original series well these beings don't even know what sensation is yeah yeah. So these beings, like, I don't know what the fuck they, like, their mission from the old ones was supposed to be. I think that was a detail that got lost. Yeah, we never found um, out, I think. Not clearly. They're, they're explorers from another galaxy, sent by the old ones. They've never experienced sensation before. They have these powers that they can, you know, manipulate matter or whatever the fuck it is they do. And read minds and do whatever. But why? And why do they want Kirk and crew to go away? Why do they warn them away? Well, that was the test. Oh yeah, the test. You've passed yes. the test by denying our jewels, <laughs> which admittedly I kind of thought you'd want. But the rest of the tests worked. So McCoy didn't go like straight at the wine somehow. Well, so, you see, that was that was a thing. Like, well, he's taking back to Gotham's. I'm not drinking this hay shit again. Yeah, he prepared this like wonderful table covered in delicious food, and they finally sit down. And as soon as they sit down, he changes the food into jewels. You know McCoy was like, fuck! I think it would be kind of funny, like, in Where's sort of my a, home-cooked meal? A bad Three Stooges moment. One of them has already taken a bite, and then no. everything, you hear a crunch, like, oh. Reaches in and pulls out a gem, and he's like, oh, I think I broke a tooth. Mm, and then yeah. And sex, please. I, I do like how they, uh, how, how Kirk addressed the jewels, like, we can make a billion of these things yeah. on our ship. We don't give a shit about this. Is have, that true, or was he bluffing? Well, I mean, we can. I mean, I think we can make stuff. We can already make fairly passable artificial gems now. So I'd imagine a couple hundred more years, and they'll be perfect. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Plus, if if they're a you know if they're a post scarcity society, like they strictly need gems for 
industrial industrial purposes. purposes. Yeah, and that if you're using them for decoration, again, they can probably fake them well enough at this point that no one's going to bat an eye. You know, another thing that I felt was a weird unfired Chekhov's gun in this episode was Sylvia's necklace. Yeah, yeah, because like McCoy like looks at it funny and like they show well, a close up of it. I think the point it's was on that the cat, too. I think I think the point was oh this is obviously the cat become think, human. I think that just was probably... just in case you hadn't already gotten that even though it was super obvious. Oh yes, you should go do that thing. Ah, Sylvia, yeah. I think that was the point. But it did like, seem oh, like look, the necklace looks just like the cat. See, I thought thing. it was going to turn out to be like a glamour, and like Kirk would rip it off, and she'd turn into a monster. Or something. Ooh, yeah, it, it did seem like that. that I mean, that, that fun. It did feel like, even though it was supposed to be just sort of like a get it. That they did still focus on enough that maybe it was still... Because I feel like there were other times she kind of held it weirdly, so I was waiting for it to still yeah. have, well, have she, an additional purpose. She didn't have... Like, what's his... What was his name? Korob. Korob had the wand. Oh, maybe, maybe that, was, that her, was her... transmuter or... Or whatever. how she was connected to her, it, if nothing maybe. else. Because yeah. when they did destroy his wand, that seemed to do it, so... Yeah, so... No, my fucking question here is, how did those little tiny creatures that we saw at the end, how did they pick up the transmuter? The transmuter was bigger than them, I think. Huh. Telekinesis. They yeah. used telekinesis for it? Must have been telekinesis. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because there's these things, these little, like you say, Jim Henson Muppets that are the size of a mason jar. And... Maybe they use the transmuter to change it into a little tiny one they can put in their ah, little tiny puppet hands. Maybe. Size matters not. Mm. Hmm. There's one thing I learned from Master Yoda. It's that. <laughs> God, my notes. Oh, God, what else is in your notes? Uh, I just wrote at one point because they had that awful seduction music for the awful seduction scene. Mm-hmm. And I just have a note that just says, the sexophone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about the awesome ding, ding, oh, ding, no. ding, 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 yeah. ding music that we got when Sulu was doing his karaoke, I almost said. Karate. Karaoke. Karate. Oh, yeah, the fight scenes in this world. Awful. They were really like when when Kirk punched Scotty at one point. Like it was clear he clearly like aimed for like his chest. Oh no, that was Bones. Oh, was it Bones? And he went down. Okay, I knew it was somebody. Yeah, and like it was like clearly the punch was around chest level, but it was a it was a direct hit to the chin. Yep, (laughs) it was weird. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, Scotty got Vulcan neck pinched. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But you know that was awful. It's like wow. After you know like. Is it that everybody got one? Was that what it was? Like, look, look to Kay. We gave you a rapier instead of a fucking samurai sword, so now you've got to do karate. No, because then he got chased around by a samurai in, like, the... That's what I mean. He'd already used his one on the rapier, so then it was the samurai, and now it's the karate. They're, like, throwing all the racial stereotypes they can at it. Listen, the fight scene was bad. The hole in the floor was bad. Yeah, that hole. Those like, are really smooth that, looking holes. How the yeah. fuck you know did that I mean? cave in? It looked fucking fine. I mean, I'm sure it was all that done by Sylvia floor. to like. It's a trap. Who tied them up? And was it Scotty and and Sue that chained them up the first time? Presumably, because they just woke up and they were chained. And the skeleton was clearly a Halloween decoration, like it even, <laughs> or like or like something you'd see in a doctor's office. Yeah, like it wasn't a real skeleton because no. it had the little cut around the top of the skull so you could like, oh, this is how our brain works. <laughs> um, well, it's just for atmosphere. Yeah, like they, they could have, like, I'm sure somewhere, somewhere in Southern California, there's got to be cemeteries. Well, no. yes. No, a props <laughs> warehouse that has a realistic human skeleton, yet they get like the bleached, white doctor's office slash science class version. Spent all their money on tiny models to run the cat through. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that sweet effect where they made that whole door a screen so it looked like it was a big fucking cat. <laughs> the right cat's the mouth, it was great. Ah. <laughs> Aw, kitty. Why didn't she just make herself small to get at them? <laughs> Why didn't she just make the door vanish? <laughs> oh my god, there's so many questions. Um, None of them with good answers. Yeah. Any questions? Yes! Several! Yeah, I also liked, uh, what's his, what was the guy's name? Korob. Korob's, uh, amazing Technicolor dream coat was pretty nice. <laughs> the eye of Egamoto there. Yeah. Like me. I, <sighs> so I think, because we were talking about this a little earlier, the impression I was under, based on, like, Sylvia's insane rantings at the end, is that while they had power, they didn't have imagination, and that's what they needed humans for. Because mm. you talk about needing their dreams, and... I have no fucking clue, Chris. It, that's, what, that's the most I could try to piece together from this utter madness. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does, I mean, that is sort of Lovecraftian idea, right? Like, I guess, like, oh, I, people using, using dreams for nefarious purposes. Yeah. Mm. This was actually, it was based on a, a short story that Block wrote called, not the monkey and the cat, that's about the cat's paws. Where in my notes is it? Broomstick Ride, which is an even worse title. Yes. And I tried to read the synopsis of Broomstick Ride, which makes even less sense. Oh, and good. the witches are a much bigger part of the story in Broomstick Ride. Ah, I'm ashamed we lost that. And also, they're all followers of Satan. Or something, mm, okay, and okay. Satan had brought them to a planet. Or I, it's way confusing. I think this makes slightly more sense somehow. Yes, yes, yes. So wait, do you know what the fuck a cat's paw is? I yeah. Need to look it up and what the fuck a, does that a mean? A cat's paw is a dupe. A cat's paw is, oh, okay. is someone played uh, as as the dupe of somebody else. It comes from a uh, an old old story attributed to Aesop. I don't think it was actually Aesop, an Aesop fable, but it's often in his books. It's called okay. The Monkey and the Cat. The story is there's a monkey named Bertrand. Bertrand. It's <laughs> a good name for a monkey. And a cat named Raton, okay. which is more a rat name, but whatever. It's okay. And they're roasting chestnuts over a fire. Mm. And the monkey says to the cat, Cat, pull the chestnuts out of the fire and then we'll eat them. And the cat grabs all the chestnuts, pulls them out, burns his paws, and then the monkey eats all the chestnuts. Man, monkeys are assholes. Monkeys are fucking assholes. So the point of this being that the titular cat's paw in the episode, for the episode name, is not a reference to the fact that there's a cat. It's no. a reference to, the, it's reference to Scotty and Sulu, Sulu being chestnuts. Basically. Luring them to the planet. Which yeah, McCoy even says, oh, we're ca they're cat's paws. Well, that was oh, the thing. Okay. That, that was, until he said that, I thought it was reference to the cat. Oh, I didn't know yeah, it was an same. expression. Yeah, it's like, wasn't you spirit. bastards went out of your way to explain changelings, but won't explain what a fucking cat's paw is. Maybe it was a much more common fable Maybe. in those times. Maybe. Who knows? I've never heard of that. Story. No, yeah, I've never. News to me. Fucking monkeys. And yeah, yeah That is weird to have an episode titled Cat's Paw that features a cat and have the title not be a reference to the cat. Well, it was probably just, you know, like, that was bonus cats. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. They, they played the pun in. The, the pun game. Yeah. And we all lost. <laughs> yeah. I did, like, again, another example of, of like, 60s low-budget special effects is, you know, when it wasn't just a shot of the giant cat, it was just the cat shadow. Shadow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was effective. Clever yeah. use of uh, 
few resources. They yeah. o- they only had the one dollhouse hallway for the cat to get into. They didn't want to just shoot that over and His over. models again. aren't cheap. Right? I'm really sad we didn't see really shitty like action figure sized <gasps> Kirk and Spock like. Because <laughs> in, in Apollo they got, they gave you a giant Apollo for a couple of scenes. Yeah, maybe they realized let's not do that. Yeah, again. They, well, they that's they because spent they spent all their budget. <laughs> they saved a lot of money because they used so little material on Carolyn's toga, but in this episode we had three separate Sylvia outfits, including mm. that beautiful clown costume. They just yeah. made it out of a pillowcase. <laughs> yeah. They made it out of the lining of Ruck's suit. Mm. Here was a, another thing about about Apollo episode. I keep forgetting the name of it. I want to say Taste uh, of Adonais, but that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting name for like a Greek restaurant. Yes. I forget the name of it already. Anyway. Um, uh, who mourns for Adonais? Who mourns for Adonais? It's a taste of Armageddon, that's why. Is they they encase the ship in, in this boxy thing. Yeah, build it um, So that there will essentially be a force field around it in space. And everyone on the ship is like, wow, a force field coming from nowhere. We've never seen one of these before. You just saw a fucking giant hand come out of a come out of nowhere and grab you onto the onto fucking Olympus planet. But they were able to find a power source for it. Eventually, they, within twenty seconds, a force field coming from nowhere. Let's not check out where the fuck it's coming from wow. or anything. Yes, a, a lot of the ships. You stuff. left Chekhov and Dassel in charge. This is what you've got. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I feel like it's a lot team. of the ship stuff felt superfluous, especially because like. It's like, oh my god, we actually are managing to find a way to break through it. Two seconds later, fucking Doctor Strange is like, I released your ship from the Lucite. And you're like, well great, that made everything they've been doing up there completely meaningless. Yeah, yeah, yeah the stuff on the ship was dumb. Yeah. But they kept trying, that was the important thing. I know, and I get that. Maybe part of the point was like, for all that it seems unknowable, it's not, because they are managing to affect it with, you know, science, but mm-hmm. still, like, ugh, very ineffective methodology. Yeah, and then everyone was just put back to normal, except for poor Jackson. It yeah. was still just... Was Unless, who knows, maybe, maybe you know, Kirk was like, meh, Jackson's dead, it was real. Meanwhile, in the ship's morgue, Jackson wakes up, like... <laughs> they, already, they already torpedoed him, man. His <laughs> oh. <laughs> pod's already been jettisoned. Oh, God, the, also the end was just a little too easy after all that. It's just like, what if I just break this thing? Oh, that did it. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. They had to wrap up somehow. Yeah, clearly. Really, okay. if it were if it were the glamour around the neck, that would have made more sense. Yeah, better and than plus, did Korob get killed by the door? Or was he? Because then his little muppet the was. Because we see the two muppets at the end. No, no, but I thought no, only one of them was really moving. No, no, two of them were. Two of them were. They were both there, and then they both keel over and then start steaming at the end. Oh, yeah. I so thought but, his. Was a, they were not both moving. right there within inches of each other. The transmitter. What? Transmuter? Sure. Yeah. See, but at least... This one, <laughs> this one yeah. at least ended on what seemed a tonally appropriate note, whereas the last episode, you know, was quite dark at the end of the day, and it ends on Kirk kind of making a joke. Yeah, not a good joke. What no. Was what was the joke I don't again? remember what it was. It was I, just like, it was like, is that supposed to be a joke? Yeah, it's like, oh, you ended on a laugh? Well, attempted laugh Guys, he almost died. He's got to find... You know, humor. Four hundred people are dead. God knows how many planets that may have been inhabited. Now is not the time for cracking wise, Jimmy. Mm. But they saved Rigel. They did that's save Rigel. They did save Rigel. So that's something to be glad for. Yeah. And all of its sex workers. Mm. Nah, that was Riza, apparently. Ah, uh, well, do we have anything more to say about either of these shows? I got nothing else. Well, I would bet credits to Navy Beans. That uh, 
I know that's something LaSalle. That LaSalle said it in the episode. La- LaSalle, you fucking idiot. LaSalle, okay. well, I bet credits to Navy Beans. Well, oh, La- Navy Beans. And Scotty had earned his pay for the week in the last episode, so. Well, let's pause this... for a second because there's a plow. I like how everything starts being noisy as soon as we get to the end. That's good. It's, yeah, honestly, I'll take it. All right, well, uh, there might be some shelling underneath me. I apologize, but as you know, most of the country was blanketed in snow this weekend. But that is it for episode 19 of A Star to Steer Her By. Thank you very much for joining us. Next week, guess who's back? It's I, Mud, and Metamorphosis, as I'm sure Kirk will say. Oh, man. So, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Do please find our Facebook page, A Star to Steer Her By. We are on Tumblr as uh, SSHB Podcast. Ames recently put up a delightful piece about, um, oh, God, which of the many online Star Trek games was Uh, it? Star Trek Timeline. Good. I was going to say Legacy, and that was wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm still terrible at it, but but here we go. Yeah, give that a check. We are on Twitter, though we don't use it much, uh, at SSHB Podcast. You know, subscribe to us on iTunes. Use iTunes or on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you very much for joining us. I have been Chris. I have been Ames. I have been Caitlin. And I am never Jake. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Be sure to tip your yeoman. Did you know, this is something I learned recently, that there's an entire cetacean ops department on the Enterprise D? For like whales, really? for whales. That's great. They have like whale tanks. Yeah. Like they needed, like they needed. You never whales. know when you need a whale tank. Well, that's the thing. They needed fair. whales once, so Starfleet <laughs> was like, you know what? We're just gonna start putting whales on starships. <laughs> Whale-powered ships. There, and there's like several, like because I uh, somebody gave me years ago the Star Trek uh, Enterprise D blueprints. Mm-hmm. So I was looking through it recently and I got to this one deck where there's like these big tanks and it's like oh that looks like fish and I look and I read the legend and it's like cetacean navigation lab and it's like what <laughs> what's going on so wait are they claiming the whales are somehow used to improve navigation I guess can the whales they have use... sonar no the whales can use the whale pro planet as like a north star thing and they also mm. it's that way there's so many places on the Enterprise D, at least, that are in the blueprints that we never see on the show, which is kind of a bummer. There's like oh the, my God. the, the bowling ma- alley. <laughs> Those whales probably got killed when the ship blew up. That's really depressing. Yeah. There's no way they evacuated those whales. Well, when they crashed into that planet. No, but oh, were they? Not, oh, wait, were the whales not in the engineering no, section? No, they were. No, they were. They're were like. Oh, they might be okay then. They were like up. Up here. Oh yeah, they're probably fine. The top is fine. Wow, we are so off course. Yeah. Uh, anything else about this episode? If we only clearly... we had whales helping us steer the ship of this <laughs> show. That's, that's, a whale, to steer, a her whale by. to steer her by. <laughs> yes. Oh no. Yeah.